Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan Hoffman. And um, I just wanted to let you know that we pre-recorded the fourth episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, um, just a few days before Anton Yelchin passed away. And I didn't think it would be right to just sort of jump in with our peppy um, intro without addressing that first. It is, um, it's, uh, it's a tragedy what happened. You know, we, we, we use the word tragedy a lot. Um, but in this case, it really is, uh, I think it's really, um, apt. This was a really young man. He was 27 years old. It was, while we don't yet know the specifics of, of, of how he died, um, I don't know that we'll ever know, uh, the exact specifics. It, it, it seems, by all accounts, uh, a preventable death, and and this was someone who uh, who had a lot more to give, and it's really uh, it's really sad, and certainly it affects those of us who love Star Trek because he was uh, terrific in the Star Trek films. Um, the uh, the casting of the new Star Trek films is really, I think, its its greatest value. Um, from stem to stern, every member of the cast had a really difficult task ahead of them. It was, here, um, put your own spin on this extremely beloved and well-known character with the most rabid fan base imaginable. Go. And, uh, and everyone did it uh, well, does it well, continues to do it well, and, and Yelchin was right at the top. Uh, his checkoff... Uh, I always found terrific. Didn't didn't get the most amount of screen time, but but every moment he's on screen, he really nails it. Um, you know, there was a a, a a lot of people have been talking about Anton Yelchin since uh, since the news broke. Um, and there are, if you want to poke around the internet, there are some really nice testimonials by people who work with him, particularly uh, Jeremy Saulnier, who was the director of the film Green Room, uh, which is a great movie. Uh, and um, Jodie Foster, who directed him in the movie The Beaver, which uh, was a decent movie. Um, but I think the thing that touched me the most was something that uh, uh, Mike Johnson, who is the um, writer of uh, most of, writer or co-writer of most of the current Star Trek comics, and most of the, the comics that Johnson is writing... Uh, is with uh, Yelchin's version of Chekhov, if you will. Um, and this was a tweet, so it was only a few words, uh, plus a picture. And he just wrote, Optimism, courage, humor, sense of wonder. Anton Yelchin's Chekhov captured the heart of Star Trek. And I think, I think that's really apt. Um, you know, there's no point in doing a compare-contrast between Yelchin and Walter Koenig, but uh, I think what you see in the movies is... Um, kind of a, an upbeat, optimistic uh, exuberance in the role. And um, it's going to make seeing the new one a little weird and a little sad. Um, but anyway, wanted to make sure we talked about that before we jumped into the new episode. And also, um, if you haven't, Yelchin worked a lot for a guy who was 27. He, he made a lot of films, and some of them were big ones that um you know we're in multiplexes like fright night which is fun uh terminator salvation which wasn't so hot but uh you know <laughs> not anton's fault um but i mentioned green room which i think is out now uh streamable uh it's a small movie and you guys star trek fans know about it because patrick stewart's in it also he plays a a, a, a murderous neo-nazi and uh, Yelchin is, is, they're trapped in a, they're like a traveling rock man trapped in the green room. And it's a really interesting movie and uh, shows off a, you know, difficult film to make, uh, low budget, but very precise and 
choreographed action survival horror film that, um, you know, could not have been easy. Um, you know, uh, on the romantic comedy, or we're not even the romantic drama side of things, uh, like crazy was a Sundance film from a few years ago that Yelchin was in. It was probably the the role that gave him the most uh, critical acclaim. And also uh, from last year, a movie that really not a lot of people saw, but I really liked, called Five to Seven, in which. Young Anton Yelchin plays a uh, writer in New York who begins an affair with an older married French woman. It's, it's a nice little movie. Um, and uh, he was also a bit of a chameleon. He would slip into low-budget independent movies for a couple of scenes. Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive, which is a great movie with Tom Hiddleston and Tilda Swinton about vampires in Detroit. And also, he's in a couple of scenes in a really strange movie called Experimenter, which is um, a biopic about Stanley Milgram, which is another Star Trek connection because uh, William Shatner, of course, did a uh, TV, uh, TV movie version of Milgram. And actually, that's in the movie. In Experimenter, you get to see a guy playing William Shatner playing Stanley Milgram. It's pretty wild. So uh, celebrate Anton Yelchin's life by seeing his films. And um, anyhow, I wanted to kick off uh, today's episode the right way by um, addressing this issue. And certainly we'll be talking a lot about him as time continues and as we see the third Star Trek film. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission. Explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no man has gone before. Engage. Engage. Kirk Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Captain Janeway. Captain Sisko. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Excitement, action, and adventure. Those are three words I think about when I hear the opening theme to engage the official Star Trek podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Whether you are listening in your car, whether you're listening in your bathtub, whether you are listening in your bathtub, in your car, you may be that wealthy that you have one. Welcome back to engage the official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. It is great to be back with you. Now, as I have said multiple times on the show, I am honest to a fault. I have green Vulcan blood in me. I will never lie to you, my audience members. And as such, even though it is episode four, and you listened to episode three with uh, our good friend Josh Horowitz maybe a week ago, Josh just walked out of the building like five minutes ago, and we're recording these episodes back-to-back, back-to-back action here on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Why? Because we are still, still in space dock. We're getting our space legs. It's early days, season one of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, and, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of um, finagling and uh, organizing and orchestrating to get a podcast off the ground so we uh, are front-loading some of these episodes a little bit. But this is the last one of the pre-launch. Why am I telling you this? You might say, what do I care? Because I know at the end of the last episode and in the end of all the episodes, I've implored you to please contact me, whether it's on Twitter at at Hoffman, which is my Twitter handle, or whether it's on Facebook at facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast, or whether it's by leaving a review on iTunes or a note on StarTrek.com, or, you know, just sending up a flare. I've been imploring you to do so because I do want to hear from you. Some might even say I want to engage with you. Engage. About what this show should be and about Star Trek and about life in general. So by now, some of you have probably sent me some really interesting and informative notes of encouragement and also maybe some notes of constructive criticism, which is fair. I'll accept that. Um... 
but I haven't read them yet because we're still a week behind. You got that? It's time shifting. It's time dilation. You like science fiction. You understand the concept, right? It's not that hard. But the point is that I am reading all of your notes, and uh, particularly if they're nice. If they're not nice, I, I stop mid-sentence and I delete them. No, if, I, if they're not nice, I read them too. And um, I try to um, incorporate, and I want to incorporate your thoughts and ideas and your hopes for the show. I did actually get, you know, we're, we're definitely going to um, follow your lead for what the show is going to be and what kind of programming we're going to have. Now, this week, by the way, is an exciting time because um, we have someone in the studio this week that I don't know as well as I would like. He's outside right now. He's not in yet. We haven't beamed him in. But um, he is a, a Star Trek author, um, but he does not write the books that you might have in mind when I say Star Trek author. I mean, there are some great Star Trek authors. Don't get me wrong. You know, there's uh, the great Greg Cox and uh, Dayton Ward, and from years ago, Peter David, who have written wonderful Star Trek novels. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. Our guest today, who goes by the name of Rob Perlman, and we're going to learn all about him, uh, writes really fun, um, well, you know, I don't know what, these, what you would call these books, really fun, humor-based Star Trek books, like Fun with Kirk and Spock, which came out two years ago, which is hilarious. And The Wit and Wisdom of Star Trek, which came out last year. And a new one that's coming out mere weeks from now. And we're going to talk all about that in a moment. So let's go down to head, to head to engineering. Let's go down and head to engineering. And beam in our guest. Hold on. Uh, let's see if this button works here. Let's see if we can beam him in. Oh my god, he's materializing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the nucleons, nucle the nucleotides, is that a thing? Is a nucleotide a thing? The nucleus, no, the neutrons. The neutrons and the electrons have formed. The atoms have formed, and Rob Perlman is here. Red alert, he's here, sitting in the studio here on deck 44 of Engage. With all of my molecules. With all of your molecules intact. I Rob, think, I think. I gave you a big introduction before that you didn't hear. And I said uh, that you were a Star Trek author mm -hmm. of a certain style of book, other than just calling them fun. What is the official industry term for what it is that you do for Star Trek? Best-selling books? Yay! Must have books? <laughs> what exactly are you looking for? No, what are they called? What are these books called? They're called great. They're called great. I think technically yeah. in, in like the Barnes & Noble, it's probably in the humor section. Humor section. Okay, great. There's an industry term. So... Um, there are uh, the fun with Kirk and Spock was the first one that came out two years ago. Yes, and uh, even though there's no cameras on right now, I'm holding it as if there were. I'm showing it to the cat. You're Vanna whiting it to death. It's fantastic. <laughs> Vanna whiting this fun with Kirk and Spock, which everybody knows is just friggin' hilarious. It is basically a children's book, ish, ish, mm -hmm. with some adult humor. I don't mean risque humor. I mean humor for oh, grownups. For grownups, yes. Uh, that takes. Well-known scenes from Star Trek. Basically, yeah. it's a it's a parody of the Dick and Jane. Books. It's the that's the one. But no, there's one of of of, of, of what Vulcans do with their uh, with their emotions. So here it is. See Spock. Hold on a second. See Spock. See Spock. Push down his feelings. Down, down, down. Push, push, push. No one smiles on Vulcan. And then there's a really fun drawing of Spock. That's the book that's dynamite. That Thanks. was the one. Mm -hmm. The fans went bananas for. They did. They it, did. It launched my Star Trek book writing career. It, did it really? <laughs> yeah, it was my first one. What? Um, the fans were actually incredibly, <laughs> incredibly kind. Because it. it is not. Um, you could say, "Oh, fun with Dick and Jane parody." Mm -hmm. You could, you could sort of phone that in if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. This book does not. It comes from a place first of great humor. You were a funny man. Thank you. But it also comes from a place of great knowledge and understanding of the franchise. There are a lot of mm -hmm. deep cuts in there. Mm -hmm. Gorgon is on there. Marvin mm -hmm. Belli's character. Mm -hmm. It's the mm -hmm. deep cuts in there. Mm -hmm. um, you pick from the iconic moments of the show. You pick from the beloved moments of the show. Yeah. And you write it up in this very amusing way. So. I, I wanted to give something for everybody. <laughs> I wanted to give the really deep cuts for the real hardcore fans. Um, and I wanted to give some of the, the things that you see all the time for the people who sort of dip in and out of Star Trek or don't know it very well. Um, 
and I think, thank you for saying it comes from a place of knowledge because I really tried hard, but I think it also comes from a place of appreciation and love for it. Um, and I think if someone had written it, this is not to toot my own horn. No, but toot away. If someone was doing this who didn't really know Star Trek, it might come off a little, not mean, but a little disingenuous. Right. No, I mean, that's, you know, you got to, we love Star Trek and love is a complex emotion. Indeed. Vulcans would never understand. But no. love, when you love something, you love it when it's up and you love it when it's down. Right. And when it's down, episodes like And the Children Shall Lead, mm -hmm. which is an abomination, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> unwatchable, <laughs> um, we still love that. Mm -hmm. I love the Gorgon. You know, uh, Spock's brain, well, actually, I think Spock's brain is actually good. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, Spock's, uh, no, Spock's brain is fun. Spock's brain, you don't like Spock's brain? I don't like Spock's brain. Come on. I don't. Luna the Imorg? You don't like Luna? <laughs> I always lose track of what the hell is going on. He has no brain, and he's yeah. trying to find his brain. Yeah, but, uh, brain and brain. What is brain? <laughs> I think there are better episodes. <laughs> there are better episodes, but I don't think Spock's brain is... Uh, Spock's brain is too much fun to dislike. Yes, yes. And, and she looks great. Mm -hmm. She's got boots that cease to be boots and then sort of become stock i don't understand like i think the boots go all the way up to her shoulders or something i don't but then they have these gashes along the side uh -huh. that expose everything i don't know what they are it's the it's the melding of uh of uh engineering and fashion right which right. is perfect yeah well sure. yeah. and clearly they they need a advanced brain to yes. work on that because yeah. they got their, their footwear is out uh -huh. of control all right so yeah, well, so uh, so I want to ask you. So you um, and I have your bio here, Rob. Uh, I want to read a little bit about the your official bio. one or the one I clipped it off of Amazon about twenty minutes ago. Oh. Um, so I know a little bit about you, mm -hmm. thanks to my clipping and pasting skills. <laughs> um, but I want to know when uh, when you became a Star Trek fan. Were God. you as a kid? Were you watching Star Trek as a kid, or is this something yeah. that happened more recently? Well, you know, we were we never existed in a world without Star Trek. True. Right? So it was always there. So when it was on reruns on Channel 11 here in New York, um, it was on and I would sort of dip Was it 11 or was it 9? I think it was 11. Oh, my God. I think you're right. And I've done so many. I, I keep saying Channel 9. Brian, you've heard me say I, Channel 9 like I remember five times. watching on Channel 11. Yeah, Why didn't you say anything? Well, because maybe earlier on it was on Channel 9, but I mean, when I was, I would watch in the early 90s, so. Oh, my God. I think uh, it was 11. No, you're right. Brian, how many times have no, I said but, Channel 9? But, no, but the later <laughs> series were on everything. Channel 9, though. I mean... Yeah, Voyager was on Channel it 9. Wasn't no, Deep Space was on 11, too. Oh, yeah. man. All right, we got to yeah. go back to all the old episodes and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> edit over. You're right. It was Channel 11, WPIX. Yeah. Picks, picks, picks. Yeah. I remember watching it, like, Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons. What about, especially? like, yep. in the middle of the night, though? I used to watch it at night, at, like, 9 o'clock, <clears> at midnight. I was probably asleep. I had school in the morning. <laughs> Some of us cared about our grades, Jordan. That's why you're a successful writer. And I'm a schmuck talking into a microphone. All right. You know what? It doesn't matter. You know, the kids today don't even know what we're talking about. Channel this. What's channel What's number? Channel? Give me my Netflix. Give me my CBS so All Access. Confusing. That's what it is. You stream it. You poke it. What are commercials? You, like you say, so you, you just, one day you woke up and realized that you already knew Star Trek. It was in the ecosystem. It, it was like I never didn't know it. Um, I think as I grew up and as um, Next Generation started, I gained a new appreciation for it, and I would actively seek it out. Um, but I would go to all the movies whenever a new one was released. It was always just there. Um, you know, I think a lot of the culture was sort of overshadowed by Star Wars mm. when it came out. So that was like a big spectacular with all of the toys, and that was kind of overwhelming. But Star Trek was always there. Spock was always there. I always knew who he was. I knew who Kirk was. All of your books thus far are original series mm -hmm. related. Mm -hmm. Is that just that's just the way that that's been th thus far? Or do you have a special affinity for your original series? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think that's how that's how the, the feedback we were getting from the audience is that what's, that's what they were looking for, right? right, right. Um, especially okay. initially. But I love the original series. I, yeah, I, I think there's a, a, a dramatic quality to it. I love the production values. I love the whole heightened sort of reality. I like yeah. the camera shaking. I like the fuzzy gauze on all, on the women. Yeah, yeah. Well, there and there is sort of on a on a story level. There, there each most episodes are like independent 
little beautiful uh, pieces of, of, of fiction, yes. of, of a great literature. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like small Greek plays, mm-hmm. you know, and they and they are very broad in, in, in their in their in their ideals and, and they just sort of like and now we're gonna do this on the Enterprise, right. you know, with these characters. Mm-hmm. And I think they titled them to be that. Mm. I mean the the titles are They're all great. They're, What's yeah. your favorite I mean obviously your favorite is for the is it for the world is hollow and I've touched the sky. I mean, of course, that's, that's I mean how the, could it not? It just it trips off the tongue. It really, <laughs> it really is um and that's not a bad episode either. It's not. You know, for season three, it's pretty good. Yeah. And one of the few really bone-centric ones. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um... I mean, some of them are, are more obvious than others, but if yeah. you don't know a mock time, you don't... What does that mean? Yeah. Is it, is it, a, is it a muck time? Like, he's run a muck. I, th- I think it's a mock. Yeah, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. No, a mock time is... Maybe it uh, did in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. That's not my favorite title either of mm-hmm. my time. I've never really liked that. Title. Oh, um, and in truth, there's no in, beauty. No, I can't even say. I know what you're saying. In is there in truth no beauty? Yes. It's impossible to. And I, I don't know the answer to that question because I can't understand. <laughs> <laughs> is it like is there in truth, comma, but there is no comma, no beauty, no beauty, no beauty, or is it is there, is there in truth? Is no there, beauty? comma, in truth, no beauty? Right. Oh, maybe that's what it is. But there's no commas anywhere. Right. And it's a weird episode. That's not That's not one of my favorites. No. I mean, it's good, but it's mm-hmm. not... Uh, but the visor's fabulous. The, the visor is great, <laughs> and she wears that purplish thing. Uh-huh. I mean, she does look gorgeous. Yeah. She really does. Um, yeah, the other titles... I mean, and then some of them, of course, are taken from Shakespeare, right? Conscious mm-hmm. of the King, mm-hmm. uh, Dagger of the Mind... Mm-hmm. Those are some really nice titles. Yeah, they really they really titled them well. Well, Conscious of the King is Shakespearean. I mean, you've got yeah. the whole Hamlet play yeah, than yeah. play thing. It is it is it is that mm-hmm. it is that. I just watched that again the other day. I had it was funny because I had um, on um, on Twitter um, for I've always liked to, to to make a different little Star Trek face as my avatar. Mm-hmm. Now I just have a picture of me. Um, in Klingon makeup, mm-hmm. but yes. for, usually I'll take like you know an alien or something iconic. And for a couple of months, I had Caridian or Kodos the Executioner with the with the mask, you know, kind of the clay mask. Mm-hmm. It's a great image, mm-hmm. and it makes sense for Twitter because it's a face, but it's like a mask because it's mm-hmm. not really you on Twitter. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, I I know what I'm I doing. And then one day I'm like, wait a second, this guy's a mass murderer. Oh, Why am I presenting <laughs> myself? <laughs> As what was clearly a a Hitler or a Adolf Eichmann uh, yeah. character. I yeah. mean that that show was written in nineteen. Uh, the original pitch is one of the. Mm-hmm. I believe that was one of the original pitches from Roddenberry's first uh, stash. Mm-hmm. So it was very much on people's minds. So, yeah, it was very much on people's minds. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I discovered this and I went, whoa, whoa I'm taking this down right now. This and you put up crazy. John Wayne Gacy instead. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes, let's. So you um, have a new book, but I want to talk a little bit about you. This is what it says about you on Amazon. And everything on the internet is true. I know. Well, it lists a slew of previous credits, and all of these sound great. Now, the new book you have, which we're going to talk about today is called Red Shirt's Little Book of Doom. Yes. Which I am now holding a copy of, and I've been very resistant to open it. I'm really dying to, but I wanted to kind of open it. You were the first person outside of my family to see that book. Is that right? Wow, I'm thrilled. Don't break it. Don't break it. I mean, it looks hilarious. I'm laughing at it already. The front, (laughs) the animation, not animation, the uh, illustration style is very different from Fun with Kirk and Spock. Very different. Because somebody different. Mm-hmm. Has illustrated it. That mm-hmm. explains it. This is illustrated by a woman named Anna Maria Young, mm-hmm. and um, on the back cover, it's a happy little red shirt whistling a happy tune, oblivious to everything. He's got a smile on his face, and he's about to step on a banana peel. Oh, poor red shirt. Yeah. So that's not going to go well for no. him. So I'm looking forward to that. But previously, I'm just going to run by, and I want to talk a little bit about some of these. Okay. Uh, Fun with Kirk and Spock, we know about. 101 Ways to Kill a Zombie. Mm-hmm. Are there any repeats in that? Not one. Really? No. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you what? think we would cheat? Well, I don't know. 99-ish. What was the 102nd? What was the? Because clearly you brainstormed, and then you're like, no, oh. no, no. And then there was one, and like, oh, I can't fit them all in. I wrote about 200 of them. Mm. Um, 
some of them were definitely more adult than others, and okay. we tried to make it as family friendly as possible. Fair enough. Even though zombies were being killed, right? Yeah. Isn't it just you just get them in the head? Are they all are they all variants of you have to somehow decimate the brain? Not always the brain. Oh, yeah. Okay. In my world, you can kill zombies in, in okay. different ways. So all you right. can kill them with a unicorn. You can kill them with a, <laughs> a unicorn horn to the head, yeah. or just oh, mm-hmm. okay. So you ride your unicorn in, like you knock the zombie down, and then sort of. Plunge. And tell them right on, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But my favorite one out of that one was um, Nerd Rage. So it's a zombie in the middle of Comic Con mm. wearing a t shirt that says, Where's Carl? And you've got all of these sort of cosplayers ripping him to shreds. <laughs> awesome. This, uh, that, you, that was published in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, you published something called Nerd Haiku. Yes. Seven, five, nine, five? Five, seven, five. Five, seven, five. Mm-hmm. Not an area code. Those are these. Um, <laughs> Maybe it is an area code. It could be. I never dialed Could you it. imagine if you? Everybody in the five seven five area code has to speak <laughs> in very specific <laughs> syllables, and then otherwise you get disconnected. But they really get to the point, right? They do, and it's beautiful, yes. and usually has some nature imagery. So Absolutely. it's very nice. Yeah, with a twist at the end. Right. <laughs> Haiku for those of you who don't remember is this, it's a poem originating in Japan. Mm-hmm. Five syllables, seven syllables, five, and then you're out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is, are there double haiku haikus? Could you continue? I don't think you so. Can't, it's always 575 yeah. done. It's not 575, 575. You can't just keep going. That would be haiku 2 or something. Haiku, epic haiku. Right. There's no epic haiku. Right. There's haiku and that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Done. So these are... It's haiku about um, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, just fandom in general. Um yeah, that, that took a lot of time. Do, do, you, do you have any off the... I mean, it's been since 2012 since it was published, oh, but can man. you give me a for instance? Um, I wrote one about Uhura's earpiece. Going where no man has gone before or something like that. Yeah. Uhura's earpiece was the Oh, the that was line. that was the... Yeah. Uh, that was the mm-hmm. That's incredible. And this is illustrated also? Uh, no, no illustrations. That's even the words paint Illustrations in your mind. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um... Spoiler alert, Bruce Willis is dead in 399 more endings from movies, TVs, mm-hmm. books, and life. Mm-hmm. You bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Ruining things. Yeah. I always thought, you know, if if our elders would tell us everything, <laughs> life would be a lot easier. Like, oh, spoiler alert, right. people can see you when you're changing in the bathroom, you know, right. and the window's wide open. Oh, that would save a lot of time. Do you like spoilers? Spoiler culture is a big deal. I mean, do you do you do. seek out spoilers? I don't seek them out, but I don't consciously avoid them. Um, if I if I really really want to know something, mm. or it does doesn't make that much of a difference. I, f- I find that the the journey to the end is just as fun, whether or not you know what the end. Really? Is. I mean, you know how the Hobbit ends. I, I mean, I have mixed feelings because I have... It depends on the movie, I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, for example, like, if somebody said to me right now, I know everything that happens in Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to know. Mm-hmm. But if somebody said to me, I know what where the setting is for the new Star Trek show 2017, I'd be like, oh my God, I need to know right now. Mm-hmm. Like, some things I want to know, some things I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been in situations where I've gone in completely cold. Mm-hmm seen a movie in advance at a film festival or at a special screening and know nothing and when you don't and it's a movie that's reliant on a twist Mm -hmm. recent examples um, like Cabin in the Woods did you see Cabin Mm -hmm. in the Woods that was a great example of one where people was like don't spoil the twist I was very very lucky to see that movie months before it came out Mm -hmm. and I was one of those guys don't read anything about it don't know anything about it because I think that movie does play with you know Mm -hmm. Uh, the conventions of storytelling. Mm-hmm. If you went and saw the last Star Wars, knowing that Han died, I don't think that's a big what? deal. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> man, you spoiled it. <clears throat> no, I don't think that would matter because anybody who lives in the real world knows that Harrison Ford probably only wanted to do one more, exactly. and yeah. it's like. And then I didn't know that he died, but then like the minute he got stabbed, I'm like, oh, Han dies, and I mean, maybe I'm just a bastard who has no, no. emotions. The but minute I, he was on the bridge, I'm like, oh, right, one contract, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I like Star Wars. I'm not anti-Star Wars, but I did not. Um, I was more. You know what got me emotional was not the impact of Han's death. It was seeing Chewbacca afterwards. Oh yeah, yeah, mm. that was rough. 
by the way, every moment we talk about Star Wars in the Star Trek podcast, driving someone out there crazy, <laughs> which is fine. Star Trek fans have to recognize that Star Wars does exist, and it's it's kind of good. You know, I for years and years, I thought you could either be a Trek or a Wars or a DC or a Marvel. It's a spectrum, man. It's a huge spectrum. <laughs> and now I'm like, I can be both. You can be both. It's okay. Um, I was born this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, as is typical on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I don't know why we were talking about that. Um, we were oh, we, we were just kind of talking about your life, and you've done other great things. You did a Passover book called Passover is Here. Yeah, that was one of my first books. What is that? It was, it was it's a, a lift the flap looking for the Afikomen book. That's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I mean there's more to it. Right. Than that. <laughs> it's a finally nuanced study. Right, right. One it's boys. just about the Afikomen. It's it's about the Passover experience. It's it's oh okay so it's um all about Passover. Yeah. Okay, for mm-hmm. those of you who don't, don't know what the Afikomen is, um, Passover is a very interactive event uh, in, in a Jewish family, and part of the shtick is, and literally shtick, I yeah. guess, is uh, you take matzah, and everybody knows what matzah is. If you don't know what matzah is, I can't help you, but it's, a, it's like a cracker. Um, and you hide it. Grandpa hides it somewhere in the house, mm-hmm. and the first kid to find it gets a present, gets a few bucks. Right. And usually what happens is the first kid gets it and he gets a few bucks, and all the other kids start crying, and they get a few bucks too. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that how it was in your household? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So everybody wins, mm-hmm. but the kid who got it is knows that they're the special. One. And when everyone wins, doesn't that mean everyone loses in the long run? No, that's very negative. It yeah, means you, everyone wins. A rising to, tide lifts all boats. It's okay to to get failure. A rising warp bubble lifts all <laughs> galaxy class starships. <laughs> All right. Um, the Q Guide to Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. Was it not the Q? John, John Delancey no, Q. If only. John Delancey's awesome. Q on Sex in the City. Would he have been more into Miranda or. Um, He's Q. He's into all of them. Yeah. Yeah, he probably is. Probably at the same exact time <laughs> in different places. Because he can, he can bend <laughs> exactly. uh, space and time. He can probably bend a lot of things. Oh, my God. There's a new book here now <laughs> called Red Shirt's Little Book of Doom. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a drum roll on here. But um, I'm going to make this photon torpedo sound as a drum roll. That's the drum roll drumming. I am now going to open Rob's new book, which is available in stores on July... July 19th. That's 10 days before the new Star Trek film. Yes. But it's also going to be available for people at... At Comic-Con. San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. If you're going to San Diego Comic-Con, you can buy it, therefore, a little bit in advance. Mm-hmm. It's a week before Comic-Con. Yeah. You'll be there. I'll be there signing. Do you remember where we met, Rob, before I looked at this? Las Vegas? We met in Las Vegas. Do you remember the first com- where we were in the first conversation? Because I was thinking about it today, and it's very funny. Was it dinner? Yes, but do you remember where we were? At the steakhouse? No. no. Where was it? You and I met, and it's possible we met once before quickly. Like, a hello, nice to meet you. Yeah. We sat across from each other at Sammy Hagar's restaurant in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. Cabo Wabo? Is yeah. that the name of his yeah. restaurant? Uh-huh. Somehow, it was not my pick to go there. No. Um, somebody decided <laughs> we're going to Sammy Hagar's restaurant. It was a big group. It was a big group. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not paying, so they can, t- <laughs> they can take me wherever the hell they want. As long as the margaritas are flowing. Right. Well, no, we didn't have margaritas. This is this is why I remember. Two great things happened to me at Cabo, Cabo Wabo's. Two great mm-hmm. things. Number one is I met you. Ah, oh, thank you. That's second. That was a good thing. The number one thing that happened was I had white sangria for the first time. <laughs> now, I, I believe in IDIC, infinite diversity, infinite combination. Uh-huh. So I'm not prejudiced. So I know, where I grew up, it was red sangria. Uh-huh. But I'm open to all things. Mm-hmm. White sangria, I'll give it a shot. And? The the white sangria at Cabo Wabo's Sammy Hagar restaurant was fabulous. It was good. Do you remember that? I do. I, I probably drank a lot of it. No, we both. I thought were, it was margaritas. We were joking around, and then we were mixing it. Like, let's have it a little red and a yeah, little white. Uh-huh. Not only were we not paying, we were not driving. <laughs> exactly. So this was terrific. <laughs> So, um, it's win win, really. It really was. So now I'm looking at your book, and I'm not going to read it here, obviously, because it's. Oh my God. <laughs> your laughter speaks volumes. <laughs> you can just keep laughing. Oh, I opened up to a random page, and it's a bunch of kids. It's like Star Trek kids. No, it's just kids. But one of the kids is a red shirt, and they're at what appears to be some sort of birthday party. Mm-hmm. And there's a pinata. But the kid with the um, blindfold is not hitting the pinata. He's whapping our red shirt in his um, uh, matter, antimatter intermixed chamber, if mm-hmm. you want to say yeah. that. 
He's being hit in the gonads. But what made me laugh is, oh man, guys, you got to buy this book. This is too much. The pinata is Baylock, mm-hmm. and it's like a and the, lo- the kid is real Baylock. Oh man, I didn't re- yeah, the kid is real Baylock. Yeah, that's Clint Clint Howard. Yeah. <clears throat> or the, likeness thereof. I don't think right. I like this thereof. But the that. point is the Baylock, uh, the Baylock pinata, is like a cheap looking. Dopey Baylock, but I, I mean that mm-hmm. with love. Like mm-hmm. it looks like a bunch of kids tried to make Baylock into a pinata. Yeah, I almost feel like I don't want to look at anymore because this is so <laughs> perfect. So, um, and one of the kids is saying, "Buen disper, buen, buen despero, Baylock." Good luck, Baylock. What language is buen is Spanish? Spanish, because it's a pinata, so we're at a fiesta. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got enough sleep before school. <laughs> All right, so one of the kids is wishing Baylock good luck, and Baylock did not hit the pinata. Which he's is, got blindfold. Because he's got a blindfold on. Instead, he hit the red shirt in the gonads, and the, and the red shirt is saying, oof. So the red shirt. So what this book is, I've now determined, having opened it now. It's called Red Shirt's Little Book of Doom, and they're funny little tableau, mm-hmm. with an X, mm-hmm. of, Fancy. Uh, of a red shirt. Does this guy have a name, or he's just... We're just calling him Red Shirt. Red Shirt. Like so many of the other red shirts, he's right. just named. And it's just, his life has been, he's Job, mm-hmm. really. His life has just been a mess Nothing since goes childhood. His way. Nothing goes his way. Mm-mm. He goes to a party with a Baylock, and he gets hit in the gonads with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. On this page that I randomly turn to... He's getting a parking ticket. He has parked what looks like um, the uh, shuttlecraft Galileo. It doesn't say Galileo, but it's something mm-hmm. like Galileo. Yep. Is parked at a parking meter, and it's just expired. A, 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 a meter made in uh, some sort of Starfleet uniform and a hat with the Delta Shield is giving him a ticket while he's running with his groceries. And he's dropping his groceries all over the street, too. That's very funny. Poor bit, poor Richard. Yeah, poor Richard. All right, one more. One more at random. Here we go. How many uh, pages is it? How many okay. little uh, plays, little playlets, little tableau? 52, oh, I think. So one every week. Yeah. One every week. Yeah. If, you can, if, you, if okay, it's not 52, you can just reread one for a couple of weeks. <clears throat> he's at a bar. Oh, he's at, is that the bar from Wolf in the Fold? Yeah. He's at the bar from Wolf in the Fold, and there's a sexy belly dancer... And he's with McCoy and Scotty, mm-hmm. and he's trying to pay with a credit card. And this nasty flow like a bartender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that yeah. Space Flow? Is yeah. that who she space is? Space Flow. Mm-hmm. Flow is saying. <laughs> flow is the model of that. Is it really Flow? Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Rob Perlman. <laughs> uh, flow, space Flow is saying, can't you read? And it says cash only. Poor Red Shirt. Poor Red Shirt. This book rules. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, my God. Um, I, thought so, it, I thought we needed to know what happened when Redshirt wasn't being seriously injured or killed. Right, right. You need to know what his life was like up until the moment he gets vaporized. Right. Well, I want to talk to you a, a little bit more about the research that went into this. But before mm-hmm. we do, we have to make a break because um, we need to pause because Brian told me to pause so we can have a, a word from our sponsors. So let's beam them in. Accomplished. And Standing by. Yes, ma'am. And we'll be right back after this. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. And we're back. Um, you said there were 50, ultimately, that ended up in the book. Yeah. Um, tell me about the process. The process is you're taking a walk. You live here in New York. You're walking through Central Park. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're taking a shower. You're coming up Not with, at the same time. No. Not, uh, not with de Blasio in office. Right. Um, you're thinking about funny... Th- situations to put red shirt in mm-hmm. um you brainstorm how many before you started whittling them down that was probably about 125 okay of them and then you you get them down to 50 mm-hmm. 
And do you already have your illustrator at this point, or you were not sure who was going to be illustrating it? No, no. It um, it was text for a really long time. Mm. And then the publisher had to find the right illustrator for it. And I think he did. Um, and then it was a lot of going back and forth. Like I, When I write the text, I also do a lot of art notes. Mm. Um, what I think the illustration should look like, and then there's you know there's <coughs> sketches, and then there's little tweaks back and forth. So that was a probably about a year long process. Really, to get it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's some interaction by the <coughs> the owner of the Star Trek license, CBS. Oh, absolutely. Um, they give you guidelines, or they are they say there are certain things that are like, well, that's a little too risque, or I mean, what are sort of sort of the guidelines that they they give you about? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say they trusted me. Right. To well, this is your third book. It's so my third book, book yeah. so I kind of knew what I could and and couldn't do. Um, happily, they had really not a lot of notes back to it. There were some things that legally we couldn't do because there's a lot of pop culture references in there, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it just it veered a little bit towards not parody toward infringing per- perhaps on other people's rights. I see. Okay. Um, okay. Which made complete and total sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but as far as like the real Star Trek based stuff, they maybe had three notes. Right. Altogether. And clearly, I mean, these are Star Trek fans. Yeah. We can be a little weird. I mean, this is not canon. I mean, no. the idea of Balok being as a young boy playing with a with a, with a Federation red shirt is, uh, yeah. is anathema yeah. to, to a certain side of me that likes mm-hmm. to hew to canon. To the part of me that likes humor and uh, you know lightheartedness. I, this is canon adjacent. This is canon adjacent. <laughs> well, but that's a key thing because it's clearly, like we said before, it's coming from you're a guy who really knows his stuff. I mean, to know, you know, that the funniest pinata in all of Star Trek is going to be Balog mm-hmm. is is you know, a, if they had hired just some humorist who doesn't know Star Trek too much, there was a oh yeah, the pinata's Spock. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not funny. No, that's not funny. Balok the pinata Balok is funny. Is funny. Balok, um, <clears throat> Balok is funny because you've got the two hard consonants, too. you got the K. <laughs> <and> the, <K. laughs> the B. Just, B yeah, it was, uh, what's his name? Walter Matthau and the Sunshine. Yeah. K's are funny. Uh-huh. No, Balok is funny, and Balok scared the crap out of me when it's I was terrifying. a kid. Terrifying. Now, the, fir- the first time I saw Balok was not the episode. It was the image over the closing credits. Yes, and you're like, "Who the hell is that guy?" Mm-hmm. Like, what? I know if I keep watching this show mm-hmm. on Channel Eleven, as I now remember, mm-hmm. not Channel Nine, one day I'm going to see that mm-hmm. guy, and it was terrifying. Well, I was always really confused because it had the Desilu thing right over it, right? right? And I remembered Desilu from I Love Lucy, right? And well, that was Fred. That Fred Mertz was Bill. <laughs> I, I was like, is that Fred? Is it Lucy? Because the hair was kind of up. No, and... yes, of course. The, de- the the whole Desilu thing was when we were young and we did not have access to the internet. Right. The As we now know, as I'm sure most people listening know, Lucille Ball's company produced Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it was not sort of like uh, uh, she was. She wasn't just signing a check. I know she was involved. Oh, I mean, yeah. she was At first, she didn't know what the hell it was. You know mm-hmm. what she thought Star Trek was at first? When Star Trek was first pitched to her, it was pitched to her simultaneously with Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. And those are the two big shows that were going to save Desilu. And I'm not going to get into the whole history of Desilu, but it, you know, the important Hollywood stuff. And they were producing a lot of great stuff. And originally it was Desi, and then Desi and she split, and then she got the studio. Mm-hmm. And she was very involved creatively. But at first, Star Trek, she thought, she signed off on it. Yeah, yeah, we'll do Star Trek too. And then they told her what it was. And of course, at the time, it was one of the most expensive television shows of all time. It nearly mm-hmm. sank the studio. Um, Those foam she, rocks are not cheap. No, it wasn't. She thought it was like a USO tour. Like Star Trek. Star Trek. Like, like you know, Danny Kaye uh-huh. is going to, and, and his cadre of stars mm-hmm. are going to go on a trek mm-hmm. to army bases. <laughs> She thought it was a variety show. <laughs> the red buttons follow you. Right. Yeah, she thought it was a variety show. And um, according to lore, anyhow, well, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not this is true, who the hell knows. But the legend is that she had no idea what it was. But then it was explained to her, and she was very much on board mm-hmm. and uh, loved it and backed it. And there were a lot of opportunities to step away from it. And many at Desilu, there was a change of changing of the guard of various execs at one point, and they said the show is great and it's doing well in the ratings but it's costing us a fortune and she's like no 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 this show is good 
and and we're sticking with it. Mm-hmm. So. And then she got her head caught in the warp drive, and Ethel had a cannon. <laughs> Hilarity <laughs> ensued. Who do you think was putting the chocolates in the replicator? <laughs> you know, it was, it was, it was <laughs> like that. She's, you know, and and uh, Tranya is actually Vita Mita Benjamin, right? Yeah. So, all right, so. Uh, so you, so you were stunned as a kid. You were looking at Desi Lu, and there was a disconnect. You're like, why is I love yeah. Lucy, and this frightening, horrible creature, uh-huh. uh, the same thing? Mm-hmm. Cool. So doing the research for this book, I mean, clearly you love Star Trek. You 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 know it. You watched it, but then the idea, um, which by, by the way, the idea came to you in a dream, came out of a, a brainstorming session with the publishers. I mean, it was it was just uh, I th- you know I think I was just sort of thinking about my life and how klutzy I am during the day, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, I redshirted it again, and I was like, wait a minute, what yeah. what else happens to redshirt? Right. What happens? Pri- what's what is redshirt's little book of doom? Mm-hmm. What is their life? So it's a funny, uh, a funny look at that. And um, you know, I, I I like secondary characters. Mm. Like I like knowing what that guy off to the side. What what's his story? Why is he there? Um, and I thought we know a lot about Kirk. We know a lot about Spock. We know nothing about Redshirt. He had, yeah, maybe he had a family. Maybe right, he had a dog. Who knows? Well, those are some of the great episodes. Mm-hmm. Are when you're learning about the ancillary characters. Yeah. A great season six episode of or season seven episode of TNG, the Lower Decks. Oh yeah, which I mentioned on another show mm-hmm. already. Um, it's all about the guys in the background that mm-hmm. you, you know that that interact with Riker once in a while, mm-hmm. and you know it's about their their life and whatnot. Mm-hmm. My my favorite guy off to the side mm-hmm. was in um, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Yeah. So it's the scene, Chapel is standing next to Kirk, yeah. and they're talking to the doctor on the, on the on the planet. Dr. Cordry. Dr. Cordry. Yeah. Um, and Ch- Kirk and Chapel are talking, and there's a guy in the background giving her the stink eye. <laughs> It, it's it's hilarious. Really? I, I pause it all the time. Wow. It, it just delights me because like, what um, does he have against her? Wow. He's kind of in nurse's scrubs a little bit, so maybe there's a little professional rivalry going on. I would or, have to watch that one again. I'm, took, I'm mostly taken with Andrea and the outfit she's wearing in that episode. So, yeah, you know, trying right. to wear. Right. <laughs> <laughs> trying to and wear. that's the episode, I think, with the first red shirt death. Is that right? I think so. Yeah? yeah. Okay. Um, well, no, so I wanted to talk to you about Red shirts on the show and um, some of the favorites. And I see mm-hmm. that you brought some notes with you. I'm prepared. So when when you were writing this book, did you then go back and rewatch and with an eye toward red shirts in the original series to sort of get an essence of them some more? Or was you know, I, I did that for Kirk and Spock because it was so much of it is episode specific mm, or okay. character specific. Right. And for Redshirt, I really wanted to sort of use my own imagination. Okay, I wanted to take little elements of it, but I felt like if, if I was being too married to what was going on on screen, it might change the direction of the book a little bit. I wanted to make it more fantastical. It's just sillier. Right. Um, and, you know, I, Redshirt never dies in the book. Right. That I made a very strict. Thank point. God for that. He never dies. There's no guns. There's but no. But he will though. Eventually, we right. all will. Right. It's the nature. But of he life. might. Go, but he his death might be. So I have a list of my favorite red shirt. My, okay. my the the ones that I'm most taken with. Mm-hmm. And I see that you've got some. What what is it that's in your notebook over there that I see? You've written um, down. Yeah, just a couple of episodes with some notable red shirt deaths. All right. That give, I give me so, give me your give me your few favorites. Well, in what are little girls made of? Okay. Um, Matthews, who I think is the very first red shirt death, uh-huh. was played by an actor named Vince Dedrick. Oh, uh, Dedrick or Dederick? Dedrick. Okay, I have a friend whose last name is Dederick. Is he okay? Ded- it's a she, and she's she's pretty okay. Oh, okay, good, good. good. <laughs> <laughs> the red shirt deaths I love the most are the ones where they're just standing there and something terrible happens right. to them. <laughs> yeah. If they're in battle, okay, fine. Right, yeah, they but went if, out in a blaze. Yeah. Exactly, but yeah. like in... Um, what is it? Like in Obsession. Right. Okay. There's lots of, you know, they get, the cloud. They get killed by comes. a scented candle or right. whatever. Yeah. Oh, that smell, exactly. that scent, the glade. You know, yeah, like, it's so great. <laughs> wizard or something. It's so great. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, of, a lot of cool deaths that way. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorites, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run my favorites by you. Mm-hmm. And you tell me what you think. I actually wrote an article on StarTrek.com years ago, 2012 I wrote this, of my 10 favorites. Should I give you the top you ten, or, ten. Just, or just go to the five? Well, no. I How got, much time do we have? I'm going to give you the five. <laughs> okay. Although I got to mention number seven in uh, in the Apple 
There's the guy that gets stabbed to death with um, like spores yeah. from a plant. Uh-huh. His name is Krumen Hendorf. He's the one I relate to the most because my allergies really? are so bad. <laughs> I feel like nature is always trying to kill me. So oh, sure. Rob. Uh, in 2012, I wrote Krumen Hendorf's Krumen Hendorf gets popped in the chest by a group of killer stamens, which <laughs> further frightened indoor kids to stay home lest their allergies get the best there you of go. them. Yeah. So uh-huh. clearly we we identify <laughs> on this issue. <laughs> um, no, the, the 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 one the top three are the ones. Listen, in the Changeling Nomad mm-hmm. kills multiple red shirts at once with a beam. Yes. Mm-hmm. We might have a sound effect that goes with that. No, not really, but we have cool sound effects. That one was intense. Yeah. Because Nomad itself is not that scary to look at. You're mm. like, ah, it's a, you know, floating pots and pans or whatever. He looks a little bit like Tom Servo from Mystery Science Theater. He sure does. He sure does. Yeah, without the cute beak. Um, and then, but but he's a killer. He killed four people. In, 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 at once, yeah. you know. And he, like, mind-wiped Uhura. You know, that is one of the strangest things in all of the original series because by the next episode she's back mm-hmm. or is she not in the next one mm-hmm. no i think I she is in the next one but and they they do make an oblique reference to it though it's not like totally forgotten in the next episode you know what well the end of that episode i think chapel says oh she's back up to college level right right that's what it is that's what it is they're yeah. they're that that's exactly what it is um yeah they have to reteach her the alphabet mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's by like she goes away because it happens like mid episode. He they mind wipe her, and mm-hmm. then it's like there she then like they're showing her learning. That kind of freaked me out as a kid. You yeah. know, that was and um, she reverts to Swahili. Swahili. Yeah, that's yeah. her. That is her native mm-hmm. tongue, or I guess it's her native tongue because she would revert to, and she speaks Swahili in um, in naked time also. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my two favorite red shirts death, and this is one that showed was really I think quite groundbreaking for Star Trek. Mm was yeoman Leslie Thompson. Mm, yeah. She, they killed a woman, which um, one could argue is, uh, you know, not good, mm-hmm. or one could argue is good, is the ultimate form of equality. Right. Because, um, you know, one of Star Trek's great, great things was that it did treat women with a degree of equality because they mm-hmm. were on the bridge. I mean, they wore a lot of skimpy outfits, but that was, you know, for its day, it was still, you know, it's it's... There's a lot of different ways to come on the feminism mm-hmm. side of original series. I think, by and large, its intentions were good. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the ways of this was by killing uh, Yeoman Thompson. Mm-hmm. and But killing her in the weirdest and most horrifying way imaginable. But I think it's also important, to your point, to put it in the context of you don't know if the white woman is killed or the black man is killed. Oh, Because right. they both turn into cubes and you don't right. know who he crushed until, until after he gets reconstituted he gets, oh wow so it's it would have yeah it's heavy either way um you know it's funny i was just reading there is um there was a, a thing that was cut for time in conscious of the king which we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. there was a mo- this was just as um they were kind of writing um janice rand off the show mm-hmm. and there was a scene that was supposed to happen that they were going to shoot but they didn't it was when they're on the um on the um the walk, right? It's a mm-hmm. great scene where uh, Kirk and the gal are on the mm-hmm. observation walk. Yeah. And originally, uh, Yeoman Ram was going to walk by and there was going to be an exchange of glances. And then she was going to say something, oh, is that your girlfriend or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Kirk was supposed to have this whole speech about like, uh, you know, on my ship, uh, you, you know, you, you, to the tune of on my ship, uh, you know, I don't fiddle around with the yeomans because on my ship, everyone uh, is treated equally. Mm-hmm. You know, something... Something very progressive mm-hmm. as he's about to make out with this woman right, on the observation right. deck. But uh, which would have been great, I think, because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think Star Trek was already progressive for its time, but that would have been a nice extra one. But they had to cut it for time or anything. But then, then in this episode that we're talking about, uh, the Kelvins from the Andromeda Galaxy, which, by the way, uh, when they introduce themselves, it's one of the great throwaway bits of comedy in, of Shatner's uh, career in Star Trek. When he says he mentions the galactic barrier because mm-hmm. the Kelvins can't get back to everybody, I think I think if you're listening to the show, you remember what the Kelvins did. They can't get back across the barrier, and he, the Kelvin says, uh, "Yeah, there's a bad energy barrier," and Shatner's like, "Yes, I know. We've been there." 
just kind of throws it. I was like, yeah, have you watched season one? My God. But the way he throws it away is just terrific. Uh, it's a great callback to the original. So they transform with their Kelvin Andromeda uh, higher powers into these polygons of chalk. Mm-hmm. And then and then Kirk's like, bring me back my crew. And they and crushes one of them. Yeah. And then and then the other one comes back to life. And like Never's like, you know, where yeah, of course as a kid you're watching this, like, well, where did he go? What was he what was he thinking? What was he experiencing while mm-hmm. he was living life as a cube? Right. You never know. And the other one you just assume is dead because mm-hmm. uh She's crushed. Yeah. She's crushed. Yeah. She's crushed. I hope that this guy, I hope Redshirt in your book doesn't uh, that I hope whatever his fate is, it's a little better than that. He's okay. He's okay? He's okay. All right. But the weirdest one for me that I wrote was uh, the death of Sam in Charlie X. Oh, yeah. I guess that would have been the first red shirt. He's not wearing a red shirt. He's wearing a, an orange. Like a robe. He's wearing yeah, a robe. Like a taekwondo thing. <laughs> uh, Kirk is wearing red pants. Yeah. For sure he's wearing red pants mm-hmm. in that. Um, but Sam is just evaporated into non-existence. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the hell happens mm-hmm. to him. I just I always assumed he came back at the end when Charlie made everything right. It's never quite clear. It isn't. It's never quite clear. Um, I'd like to think so too. Mm-hmm. But if nobody says, "Hey, get that guy back from before," right? Would because you know he caused so much other damage. I mm-hmm. mean, who knows what what he did? Bad kid. Totally, totally bad kid. You know, at the time uh, that they shot that, the actor was like twenty-eight or something like that. <laughs> he was twenty. Who, Charlie or the yeah, other guy? Charlie. Charlie was twenty-eight. I don't know if he's twenty-eight, but he was not fourteen. Wow, he was twenty-three. <laughs> uh, he was in his twenties. Somebody will will send us a note via via. Uh, somebody will tweet at us, or we can look it up ourselves. He was the nephew of some studio executive. No, no, he was he wasn't he was a known uh, quantity. Mm-hmm. Oh, the actor who was the actor on Charlie X. See, uh, let me just go to my internet here. Uh, no, Robert Walker was the actor's name, and oh, right. he was um, 26 or so. Um, he was like 26 year old. No, and he had been in um, he had been in a lot of movies. He looked good for 26. Ensign Pulver. That was what oh, it wow. was. That yeah. was his big hit, um, so to speak. So he was kind of a known quantity. Um, but yeah, he, he could pe- He was like the. He was the type of like 14, 15 year old that does look older and that mm-hmm. makes them creepier. Because yeah. they're like a man boy mm-hmm. in this like boy's brain, man body. Right. Totally would slap Janice Rand around. Oh, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Charlie, we don't do that. There was no appropriate slapping around of Janice Rand. No, no. I mean, absolutely not. Mm-mm. Never. Um, she does the slapping. Indeed. Um, Rob, listen, we're about out of time. Oh. I feel like you just got here, but we have been chatting for a while. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, I've been having me too. a lot of fun. I want to talk to you again at some point. Um, the last time I saw you before this, you were at the concert, right? Remember yeah, that? The yeah. Star Trek the Symphonic. Oh, what's the official name? It's one the of the ultimate many. Ultimate Experience? Yeah, I think it might have been the ultimate something. The voyage. The ultimate, the ultimate voyage. voyage. Yep. The ultimate voyage. Mm-hmm. There is right now, this year, as it is the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, this September 8th will be the 50th anniversary of the, of the first airing of The Man Trap. And there's all kinds of cool stuff happening. One of which, and it's just and um, wrapping up, but it's still out there, is a symphony orchestra playing themes from the series, from the movies, to clips, to these really beautiful supercuts, if you will, mm-hmm. of all kinds of stuff. And we saw it in New York yeah, at the great. theater at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. which is no joke of a theater. It's yeah. not It's not Madison Square Garden where the Knicks play. It's the theater attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of went in going, well, like, all right, well, let's see what it's like. It was terrific. That's I had great. a really great time. Yeah. And it's still out there. It's going to Paris. Really? That's where it ends, in September. In That's Paris. fantastic. There are a couple of more dates in the U.S. I know they're going to do a big gig in Minneapolis soon. Like, that's at a major event. And if it's not Minneapolis, it's Milwaukee. It's something with an M. M, they're near each other, you know. (laughs) There's cheese and cold involved. Yeah, yeah. They're pretty close to one another, Minneapolis. Potato, potato. Yes. Um, But that's just one of a a many tremendous 50th anniversary events that are happening. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of cool Star Trek stuff happening at San Diego Comic-Con, some of which I'm not allowed to talk about, mm. some of which is um, 
I can talk about, which is an art exhibit. Mm-hmm. There's an exhibit. Oh, is this a book that your this company is has published? The official calendar that ties into the. Right. In addition to, I should say, in addition to writing these tremendous Star Trek books and all the other books you mentioned, you work for. I work for Rizzoli, right. which is an uh, art book publisher, and we also have a, a calendar division, and we are the official calendar licensee of Star Trek. So the Ship of the Line calendars. Ships of the Line, the Engagement calendar, the original series calendar. We're going to do a Star Trek Beyond calendar. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you have in your hands right now is a, a poster calendar that uh, has 12 of the images from the 50 for 50 art exhibit. Okay. So the 50 for 50 art exhibit, which is the, it's going to be happening in multiple locations, among them being, uh, it's going to be in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I think it launches at Comic-Con. It launches at yeah. San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. It's right near the convention center. It's a short walk from the convention center. If you got to get away from the convention center for 10 minutes and catch your breath, there is an art gallery. And I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but it's near the convention center where there are 50 different great images of really and remarkable artists are involved. Now, uh, Leonard Nimoy was involved in one of them as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He didn't draw it, but he was... It's sort of a collage thing that he mm-hmm. that he did. Well, I'm looking at 12 now, and who got to choose which 12 of the 50 made the calendar? Well, I have to say we were, um, you know, the the format is vertical, so we had okay. to pick a lot of vertical. All right. Well, that helps. That helps because this is not <laughs> so yet. That's, this that's is a very unique down. looking calendar. Also, it almost looks like a sketch pad. Yeah. Um, we wanted to get a really good range of different series and different artists yeah. and different art styles. And I know that some of these some of these are on StarTrek.com mm-hmm. um, but many of these I'm seeing for the first time so I'm not going to describe them too much but I will say that uh, some of them kind of look like uh, propaganda images some of them look like movie posters some of them have quotes uh, they're all different designs mm-hmm. and there are some great there's some deep cut stuff in here. Yeah. But this will be available in San Diego. So this will yeah. be available. This it's, will be it's available for, for pre-order now wherever you get. You can your pre-order it right yeah. now, and by the time San Diego comes around in really six weeks, yeah, this will be available mm-hmm. uh, everywhere. So then I, I'm not I'm not teasing you too much. I hope. So you work at Rizzoli full time, and there's a store, a Rizzoli store downtown in Soho. Is. Yeah. is that where you work? We moved around. Okay, the one in Soho is not there anymore. No. Oh, but no, the one so. now is on. It's Broadway in 26th. Okay. Is that, where you, is that where you work? No, no, I work in the Rizzoli Publishing offices. I was, but I feel I thought potentially the, the, the offices could be in the second, you know, the upstairs from the store. It's possible. Yeah, it's that possible. would have been nice, yes. kind of a mom and pop thing. Yeah. You, know. you work in a bland corporate office in Midtown. <laughs> kind of. Oh, man. You <laughs> but I have a window. Better. I have a window. You've got a window. Okay, cool. And what are some of the other things you got here? So that's a nice marriage of, you know, you work on Star Trek products for your day job, and then your evening job is you work on Star Trek products. It's great, yeah. It's all Star Trek all the time. you got to get a hobby, man. <laughs> so uh, we have here... So this is the engagement calendar, which nice. features the original series. To Great photos. the wall calendar. Right. Featuring the official... Kind of a classic wall ca- uh, calendar. And there's and the classic Ships of the Line 2017. Yeah. And this changes every year. Every year. It's all new art. Okay. Cool. So you're the man behind this? You're one of the men behind this? I'm one of the men. Um, great. Great, great, great. Okay, cool. I mean, this maybe we should... We, we got to go because it's it's time to go now. Rob, when does Ships of the Line become available for people to get It's for available for, for pre-order now. Not Everybody. pre-order. When could they go to a store and buy it? September, probably. We're going to have you back in September. Awesome. How does that sound? I mean, I'm going to see you again, certainly in Las Vegas, but I'd like to have you come back yeah. and we'll talk about this in September. I'd love it. Thank you so much. I'm going to beam you out. Rob, thanks again for coming in. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jordan. Bye. And there he goes, back to his bland office in Midtown, but that has a window, so don't feel too bad. I want to thank everybody again for listening. It's been another fun time here on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. You know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyhow. It is your obligation as a member of Starfleet to do the following thing. You must rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. But, but Jordan, I don't like Apple products. I don't use them. I don't care. Rate and review. Don't subscribe then, but rate and review. Rate it highly. It only goes up to five. Rate it ten. Figure it out. Review. Say it's great. Rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Tweet at me at Jay Hoffman. Use the hashtag EngagePod because I do want to hear from you. As I said at the beginning, we're taking our cues from you. Uh, We want to know which kind of guests you want. Do you want more people like Rob? Probably. 
do you want less people like Rob? No, I don't think so. I think you want more people like Rob. But you tell me, and you you back up your your argument, and and, and then we'll listen. Uh, you tweet at me at Jay Hoffman. You must like us on Facebook. What you can do after is you can mute it if it gets annoying, but you still have to like it because we need that approbation from you. Facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. Facebook.com slash the official Star Trek podcast, or just just throw in engage at the top of your Facebook bar. Uh, we're on play.it slash Star Trek. You can subscribe on any number of podcast listening streams. Uh, on, on, if you use an Android product, you can do it. It's exciting. It's the best time to be a Star Trek fan right now. So um, we're going to be back soon. Our next guests, um, we have some cool stuff lined up you know we're getting closer to the release of the motion the, the, the star trek beyond the new movie we're getting closer to that i know for a fact that we are gonna soon have more people from the world of publishing on the show uh particularly the comics the people at idw publishing are going to be on soon if they're not on the next episode they're on the one right after that so they're coming up soon uh, because what's going on in the comics world right now with star trek is almost as good it's equally good to what's happening uh, with uh, Rob Perlman's stuff. They're equally. You'd have to get a, an electron microscope to determine which is more, more good. That's how good they both are. Um, so I want to thank you again for listening, and we'll hear from you soon. Until then, keep on trekking. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.